Freedom Hut. Huge revelations in the Russia collusion hoax. More BLM riots attack more cars and people. Mail-in ballots found discarded in Pennsylvania. And peaceful transfer of power panic. This, this is the Buck Sexton Show. Where the mission, or mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. Oh, my. It is Friday. This is actually my favorite time of the year, weather-wise, at least, in New York. I I like this. It's nice outside, but you probably want to wear a sweatshirt at night, also known as what you people in California have for most of the year. But anyway, I do really like it, and... It's uh, a time where we have to find everything we can to give us a little bit of peace because it's about to get wild out there, friends. It's about to get wild. This election, you got the debate coming up on Tuesday. You've got Joe Biden hiding from everybody, putting a lid day after day on the campaign. Oh, he's doing debate prep. Uh, I don't know. I think uh, I think he might be eating jello sitting on a couch watching reruns of the Golden Girls. I'm not sure that Biden is doing all this strenuous debate prep, but just be prepared for this. No matter what Biden does in the debate, the Democrats are going to say that he was amazing. He's brilliant. He's great. But I I actually want to change our gears for a moment here, away from COVID, away from the lockdowns and BLM. We'll, We'll get into that later, of course. But there's a story that you need to know about, and the media doesn't want to cover it. They don't want to touch this. And I understand that it's been a few years since some of these things have happened. So they just want to move past it. But here's the truth. When the president of the United States said that Russia collusion was a hoax, when the president of the United States uh, called the Mueller probe a witch hunt, he was just stating facts. Those things were true. Those things were true. So now here we go with why I can say that to you. Now, there's many reasons. We've been looking at this for a long time. And I've never had to come on this show, which I started about a, what was it now, a year before the Trump election. And I started, you know, I remember we first started looking at this issue, and I always thought this, there's just no way. It didn't make sense. The Russia collusion story just didn't add up. They didn't have any proof. Why would Trump do this? It's so risky. It wouldn't even work. It's a dumb idea. And the president even told me once himself face to face. He's like Russia collusion. It doesn't even make any sense. And I said, yeah, you're telling me he used more colorful language than that. But now I look at this and I say it's impossible for anyone who's following this not to see exactly what happened here let, let me start with the big picture and then we'll drill down into these facts courtesy of my friends over at the federalist sean davis and molly hemingway who've just got a, a great piece of actual journalism and we now know beyond any i mean we've known i should say for a while but now we've got just proof proof that the whole thing was a scam proof that people were being absolutely partisan and reckless and abusing their power at the very top of the FBI and the DOJ. Comey, Strzok, Page, Brennan, McCabe, all of them. 
But first, let me just say, here's here's what really happened. There are people that are Democrats who are very became very powerful because a lot of people that like to be bureaucrats are Democrats. And they became powerful over a period of many years, rose up at the FBI and the DOJ and began to think of themselves as the Praetorian Guard, as the guardians of our republic. And also the establishment for them was represented by Hillary Clinton. So America needed Hillary Clinton to be president because Donald Trump was a threat to the system, a system that they view themselves as the ultimate guarantors of. And so they were looking and looking for something to claim that this president was a criminal. They were trying to use their investigative powers to stop a presidential candidate. And they cooked up this nonsense at every stage about Russians. This is just all based on rumors. And, and now we know from additional information that's come out, the main source for the Steele dossier, it was Russian disinformation, folks. That's right. Steele got completely bamboozled, but they told him what he wanted to hear. This is the worst. We call this tradecraft in the spy world. This is tradecraft that is the most JV rookie mistake crap imaginable. No, no vetting. Just ran with what the what the source gave him. That's called rumint or rumor intelligence, which means not really intelligence. And then they started leaking based on the Rumor intelligence, the FBI and the DOJ were leaking stuff to the press and then had the gall to cite some of the press reports that their fellow FBI and DOJ people were leaking to get them printed in the first place, citing those press reports as justification for the investigation. The ultimate self-licking ice cream cone of the bureaucracy. And then when they realized that Trump didn't win, and let me also, I'm sorry, when that Hillary didn't win, uh, l- let me also just say this. People always, always say, why would they do this if they thought Hillary was going to win? I think they were going to try to prosecute Trump after the election. They were going to try to take him. They thought they got this guy, maybe, or they could get him. And then when it was clear they didn't have the evidence, what do you do? You've already broken the sacred trust the American people have in you. You've already broken the sacred trust that's been given to you at the FBI and the DOJ. So what you got to justify it somehow. You got to find some there there, right? If you ruin someone's life, investigate them for years, the tendency is, and the attorney general spoke about this recently in a, in a speech he gave, the tendency is to say, well, I better prove that this person was bad. I better find something. I better find something on them. Okay, well, uh, yeah. So they fabricated things. So they lied to the FISA court. And every step of the way, what they were doing was wrong. They, they knew it, too. And that's the part of this latest revelation that you really have to pay attention to. Trump won the election, and then afterwards they were all scrambling. And they realized the only way that they could try to save themselves was to double down. And it's all told in messages from the FBI, uh, FBI agents involved in these cases to each other. Their names are redacted, but we can guess who some of them are. And in in a twist of irony, the only reason we know about this is because Judge Emmett Sullivan, who has a an unhealthy and bizarre hatred for Michael Flynn, as evidenced by his courtroom outburst, he should have recused himself right after he accused General Flynn of treason 
which no one has accused him of. Flynn did nothing wrong. Flynn's conversation, I'll tell you this, you know, Trump always says his Ukraine phone call was a perfect phone call. The Flynn phone call at the Kislyak was a perfect phone call. He did exactly what we would want the national Secu- incoming national security advisor to say, which is, look, just keep it. Stay in line with what we've done. Don't escalate things. I'm going to come in and we're going to we're going to address this with the new administration. It's exactly what you would want him to say. It was it is truly a, it was a perfect phone call. And then they jammed him up on this technicality. Well, was he talking about sanctions or was he talking about expulsions? And that was why there was a little bit of confusion, perhaps, in his answer about what he talked about. But he also thought he was talking to colleagues, not FBI, Democrat, Hillary voting hacks who were going to do everything in their power to ruin him and destroy him. We're setting an ambush for the incoming national security advisor. This, friends, is the biggest political scandal of my lifetime. Nothing else really even comes close. This was an attempt to undo a presidential election. This was an effort to break the sacred trust the American people have with our institutions, with our law enforcement agencies like the FBI, that they will enforce the law without fear or favor or prejudice or partisanship. And yet, it's not what happened, is it? What do we have here from the Fed, uh, from the Federalist? Again, from Sean Davis and Molly Hemingway. You know, we've had Sean on this show many times. Let's dive into these details. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Trump was right. Explosive new FBI text details internal furor over handling of crossfire hurricane investigation. Newly disclosed internal FBI notes and text messages detail the extent of the FBI's desire to take down Trump and his associates at any cost. Again, this on the Federalist.com from uh, Davis and Hemingway. And this this piece is amazing because this is smoking gun stuff now. We already know what happened, but we already have all the circumstantial evidence we need for a conviction. At least in the court of public opinion, never mind if we're actually going to get some criminal charges here, which I don't think we will. But for a conviction, in a sense, of the FBI and the DOJ in the Russia collusion hoax. And also the special counsel was an anti-Trump headhunter operation. They were going after the administration. That's what they were doing. It was not about justice. It was not about Russian interference in the election. It was all a scam from slimy, pro-Hillary, partisan lawyers posing as agents of justice. Disgusting. And the media should never recover. I mean, the same way that I have no respect for Senate Democrats or really the Democrat Party after what they did to Brett Kavanaugh, and I'm never going to forget it. I am never going to forget CNN's role, fake tapper, Anderson Cooper, all of them, never going to forget their role in perpetuating this hoax that was meant to, after the fact, disenfranchise over 60 million American voters who chose Donald Trump and who won. They can cry about it as much as they want. He won. And then they tried to undo it after they were done crying. Here's from the piece, quote, Federal Bureau of Investigation agents tasked by fired former director James Comey to take down Donald Trump during and after the 2016 election were so concerned about the agency's potentially illegal behavior that they purchased liability insurance to protect themselves less than two weeks before Trump was inaugurated president 
according to previously hidden FBI text messages. Friends, these are messages that took years to come out that the FBI thought would never be shown to anyone. They thought they were above the law. They thought they were above transparency. And the only reason this has come out now is because of the federal court action against General Flynn. I mean, Sidney Powell, uh, Sidney Powell should get the, you know, the Medal of Freedom or something. And what she's doing is incredible. Because this has turned into more than just the very important cause of achieving justice for General Flynn. This is also about how in trying to take down Flynn, they created the opening for the truth to finally uh, make its way out. And now because Judge Sullivan is doing this psychotic judge as prosecutor routine after the DOJ has already said Flynn never should have been prosecuted. Judge Sullivan is doing this stuff. And that allows for the federal lawsuits and federal court disclosure requirements to get this information about what they did to Flynn as a centerpiece of the Russia collusion hoax and the Mueller witch hunt. This is all from this is all from this piece in the Federalist.com, but it's because of Sidney Powell's work. Quote, we all went and purchased professional liability insurance. One agent texted on January 10th, 2017. The same day, CNN leaked details that then President-elect Trump had been briefed by Comey about the bogus Christopher Steele dossier. That briefing of Trump was used as a pretext to legitimize the debunked dossier, which was funded by the Democratic National Committee and the Clinton campaign and compiled by a foreign intelligence officer who was working for a sanctioned Russian oligarch, which I'll just add in there was Oleg Deripaska, Quote, holy crap, an agent responded. All the analysts, too, meaning all the analysts also got professional liability insurance on the case. Crossfire Hurricane and Crossfire Razor, Trump Russia collusion, General Flynn specific targeting. Those are the t- Crossfire Hurricane is the whole Trump with the Russians, the Trump campaign. And then Crossfire Razor is General Flynn is the point man of this complete fabrication. Papadopoulos was including with the Russians. Carter Page was including with the Russians and any person who said that they were even early on in this is so stupid that that really they shouldn't be trusted to be around a hot stove. You know, they they need to make sure that all the outlets are plugged in like a toddler around the house because you don't know if they're going to hurt themselves. That's how dumb you'd have to be to believe that Carter Page and George Papadopoulos were the point men on some international election conspiracy with the Russians. Continues in this text exchange, quote, yep, the first agent said all the folks at the agency as well. End quote. Let me tell you, somebody used to work at the agency. He means the CIA. So CIA people and FBI people right before the Trump inauguration are all purchasing professional liability insurance. Gee, folks, why would why would they be doing that? If they knew that they had done their jobs to the letter of the law, if they knew that they hadn't abused their power and that there wouldn't be a problem with the incoming attorney general, Jeff Sessions, weak. uh, Why would they do that? I can tell you this, if the FBI was investigating uh, some kind of a murder and their chief suspect had taken out a life insurance policy, you know, let's say thought the, the wife killed the husband and she took out a million dollar life insurance policy. Oh, two weeks before the husband disappears. 
they're going to think that's a big red flag, aren't they? What are we supposed to think about this? All the analysts, this is the text messages that they never thought would come out. We're seeing it. All the analysts at the CIA, all the, all the agents of the FBI working on this case are taking up professional liability insurance. Uh, you know, unless all of a sudden they were doing, you know, high value target detainee questioning or something at a, at a covert site for the FBI or, or CIA or something somewhere, unless they were doing some really high risk stuff all of a sudden, why? Why would they be getting professional liability insurance before they? Right. We know why. We know why. Okay. Let's be very clear about that. Ha ha. Who knows? Uh, Oh, sorry. Quote, can I ask who are the most likely litigators? An agent responded as as far as potentially suing all of you. Ha ha. Who knows? I think the concern when we got it was that there was a big leak at the DOJ, and the New York Times, among others was going to do a piece, the first agent said, and again, texted. While the names of the agents responsible for the text are redacted, the legal filing from Powell, quoting communications from the Department of Justice, states that the latest document production included handwritten notes and texts from Peter Strzok, Andrew McCabe, Lisa Page, and FBI analysts who worked on the FBI's investigation of Flynn. Hmm. Top people involved in the investigation, all getting professional liability insurance. Oh, friends, it gets worse. So, again, this is what you would call a clue in an investigation. We're, we're going to add up all these clues because this is really important. What was their next big concern? Oh, let's make sure we can't get sued. And then let's go to the next the next uh, issue here, which is what happens when we don't have Loretta Lynch is the attorney general when we don't have a Democrat hack at the top of the DOJ. Uh oh. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, the deep state. Proof of it. That's what we have now. We've known about it for a long time, and now we know that they were aware. They were coloring outside the lines, folks. They were doing stuff that they should not have been doing. And to to uh, betray the trust put in them and to exceed their legal authority and mandates in this pathetic, partisan, really just babyish, childish, our person wasn't supposed to lose. Because Hillary, they did this for Hillary Clinton? Really? Because she's going to be so much better than Trump? These people are nuts, but you know, look. It's going to say it. There are some great people who work in government. There are a lot of dumb, petty losers who work in government, too. It's just it's a big organization, folks. That's the reality of it. Including at the FBI and the CIA. That's for sure. All right. Back into this. Why were they purchasing professional liability insurance? And this is from this piece in the Federalist.com that I really think, you know, Sean Davis and Molly Hemingway need need all due credit for. I I was talking about this uh, last night on W.O.R., and in New York City, and uh, the president later on was reading from it during his rally. So that's clearly he, he also agreed this piece. There's a lot. There's a lot in this. Uh, but they were worried about professional liability. So they purchased additional insurance. Top FBI DOJ officials are saying, oh, my gosh, we're going to get sued for what we've done here. That's what's going on. OK, well, what I really want to find out is through some kind. I don't know if we could do this. It was probably privacy issues. I don't know. It's through private companies. But I want to find out 
who exactly got the professional liability insurance? Because I have a feeling it is struck. It is Paige. It is Comey. It is Brennan. I have a feeling the whole cabal were, were, you know, getting insured up so they could lawyer up because they knew, uh oh, remember, Hillary was supposed to win. And then they could have presented Hillary with their Russia collusion stuff and just done a, done a media campaign to finish off the Trump movement forever. Maybe they don't bring criminal charges against Trump on the fabrications, although they're not above that. You'd say, Buck, but they, there was no Russia collusion. Yeah, but they would have kept an investigation going. If Hillary Clinton had won the 2016 election, her, you know, James Comey and, and, and these Brennan and these other deep state little tyrants, they could have continued to leak to the media, got an investigation going of Trump, of his, and they wouldn't have had the protection of being in the White House in the Oval Office. And maybe you get a few people, look at what they did while Trump was president. They get a few people to crack under pressure and to, and to you know, uh, misremember or lie about something because they're scared. But they didn't do anything wrong. They didn't break the law. But then they say, oh, we're just. That's what they were hoping to do after defeating the Trump movement. They were they were going to the DOJ and the FBI were planning to go walk around the battlefield and bayonet the survivors. That's that's what they were going to do. They were setting this up so that they could have ruined reputations and lives when Hillary took office and they would have had all all they have to do is investigate you. You're a former presidential candidate and there are news stories out there that you that you colluded with the Russians. How do you how do you ever wipe that stain away? And how do you fight back? You're at that point, right? You're a loser. You lost and you tried to cheat with the Russians. Don't you see this was a way to destroy the Trump movement once and for all? That's why this storyline they always had, if if they were sure Hillary was going to win, why would they do any of this? No, there are a lot of reasons why they would do all of this. But agents were also worried about the new attorney general. Back to these text messages, quote. They were worried about how a new attorney general might view the actions taken against Trump during the investigation. Shortly after then Senator Jeff Sessions was confirmed to be Trump's new attorney general. Congressional Democrats, media, and Obama holdovers within DOJ immediately moved to force Sessions to recuse himself from overseeing the department's investigations against Trump. Quote, the new AG might have some questions. Then yada, 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 we all get screwed, one agent wrote. Uh, I'm sorry. Why would a senior FBI agent working on this case say that the new attorney general might have some questions and then they will all get screwed. I thought what James Comey said was that everything was fine. I thought that we were told this was all done by the book. This was all by the letter of the law. But of course, that was all a lie. We all know that. Don't don't believe the media spin. They're going to they're just trying to suppress this. They're not even covering it. They don't want to talk about it. They're just hoping that people are more focused on, you know, some BLM lunacy in some other part of the country. We'll get into that later, too. Quote, the FBI agents also discussed how the investigation's leadership was consumed with conspiracy theories rather than evidence. I'm telling you, man, if this thing ever gets foiled, Freedom of Information Act requested, there are going to be some tough questions, one agent wrote, and a great deal of those will be related to Brian having a scope way outside the boundaries of logic. 
Let's unpack that phrase for a minute, shall we? Way outside the boundaries of logic. If the FBI were investigating you and they were running around with theories that they were admitting to each other are outside the boundaries of logic, wouldn't you feel deeply violated? Wouldn't you feel like you were in some Kafka-esque nightmare? Yes, you would. And let's remember, while these FBI agents are ha, 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 laughing to each other over text message about some of this, clearly also nervous about some of what's coming out, let's remember that they have the power to investigate people and ruin their lives. The FBI, if they choose to do so on very little, I mean, they could just say it's on the basis of confidential informants, right? On the basis of garbage, they could investigate you and try to ruin you. Destroy your your family, destroy your livelihood, drive you to suicide in some cases. That's what the FBI can do when they go outside the boundaries of logic, as they're saying here. It's also why, just as an aside, I think the Richard Jewell movie is so important for all of you to see. That's what it's like when you're dealing with the FBI. I'm sorry, but it's true. There's political pressure on a case. They, they want to give a scalp to the mob. And the mob is the Democrat Party. And the Democrat Party is the party of the state. This is the machine, friends. Quote, redacted, some senior FBI person, we could guess, we don't know, is one of the worst offenders of the rabbit holes and conspiracy theories, an agent texted. This guy traveled with that guy who put down third guy as his visa sponsor. Third guy lives near a Navy base, therefore, dot, 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 end quote. Gee, doesn't that sound like the whole dossier? Doesn't that sound like everything in Russia collusion? Well, this guy was a Russian who talked to another Russian who knew a guy who once ate a pierogi and who knew a guy who lived next to the pierogi place who... People have built careers on this. There are complete morons with blue checks in the media who no one had ever heard of. Like this guy who wrote Proof of Collusion, the dumbest book for the dumbest people I've ever seen in my life. And they built followings off of this lunacy. They were put on MSNBC and CNN for years just spewing crap. I have never had to come on this show about anything related to Russia collusion in four years and say, wow, guys, I was really wrong. I'm sorry I messed up on that one or this wasn't true or that thing I told you I was wrong. This guy was actually never. And the media just pretends like none of this stuff is happening on their side. They're wrong constantly. Pretend like they had nothing to do with it. I mean, CNN is a decrepit cesspool of stuff that I can't say on the radio. I mean, it's a terrible place. And people should be embarrassed to work there. Now, they should be embarrassed. I'm just going to say it. It's an embarrassing place to work. Quote, several texts show that the order to close the criminal investigation against Flynn came as early as November 18th, 2016, the same day as the 2016 presidential election. It was later reopened in early January of 2017. Here's an agent texting. We have some loose ends to tie up and we all need to meet to discuss what to do with each case. He said, shut down Razor. One agent texted, referring to Crossfire Razor. So glad they're closing Razor, an agent responded. Wait, why are they so glad they're closing Razor? General Flynn, 
he's a bad guy who lied to the FBI, right? Why do they have loose ends to tie up? If, if they weren't FBI agents, if they were just people involved in some criminal conspiracy, and these were the text messages that the FBI pulled from their phones, they'd all be going to prison. All of them. Okay? This would be enough to put them all away. If this were an insider trading case, and you had all these guys like, well, you know, uh, I guess somebody got the information from the CEO of the company, you know, over drinks. And then, you know, our trader, Bob, took a big stake in the company and, you know, whoopsie, like they'd be done. They'd be done. People say, oh, but this isn't this doesn't prove anything. there's nothing you can do. And at this point, you could have videotape of James Comey saying, yes, everything you've said about me is accurate. I, I tried to take down the president. I thought I was doing the right thing. And I abused my power and authority and pretended to be a moron to get an investigation going that I never should. Even if he was on video saying that, they would say, it doesn't prove anything. <laughs> they don't they don't care, folks. So don't expect your, you know, your idiot, your idiot neighbor with a Harris Biden sign on his lawn to uh, come around here. The new disclosures made by the DOJ also show that the FBI used so-called national security letters to spy on Flynn's finances. Unlike traditional subpoenas, which require judicial review and approval before authorities can seize an innocent person's property information, NSLs are never independently reviewed by courts. One of the agents noted in a text message that the NSLs were just being used as a pretext by FBI leadership to buy time to find dirt on Flynn after the first investigation of him yielded no derogatory information. The decision to use NSL finances for Razor bought him time, one agent said, two weeks after the initial order to shut down the case. What do we expect to get from the NSL, an agent texted on December 5th, 2016? We put out traces, tripwires to the community and nothing. Bingo, another FBI agent responded. So what's an NSL going to do? No content. Ha ha ha. This is a nightmare, an agent said. Oh, I'm glad they think it's so funny. They, they think it's funny. You should know this about Strzok and Page and Comey and McCabe. These people think it's funny when they ruin someone's life because they're idiot Democrat hacks. They think it's funny. This amuses them. If we're working to close down the case, I'm not sure what NSL results would do to help. One agent wrote exactly. That makes no sense. I can tell you I can tell you what's going on here. You probably figured it out already, but just to hammer at home. They were just desperate to keep this. There was someone in the FBI was desperate to keep the Flynn case open. And then they hatched this plot in the Oval Office to go after Flynn. They, they needed someone. Remember, this all this all revolves around the national security advisor for the Trump administration is a felon because he lied about a conversation with a Russian. That was the storyline. And it's just propaganda. It's brainwashing BS. The incoming national security advisor had a totally normal, respectable call where he said totally normal, respectable things. And then he thought he was speaking to colleagues about the contents of a call that he was supposed to be having. And there was a discrepancy about whether he's talking about expulsions uh, versus sanctions. But did he talk about sanctions? No, he actually was talking about expulsions. But could you consider expulsions to be part of sanctions? Yes. Right. So there's this. And the FBI agents didn't even think that that qualified as a lie. But then the Mueller team of pro Hillary quizzling disgraces came along and charged Flynn. 
You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. So why did they do it, folks? Why would people in the FBI, the DOJ, betray the trust of the American people put in them, betray the Constitution, their oaths as law enforcement officers? Why would they do all that? Well, the text messages that have just come out and that the Federalist.com has posted and analyzed for all of us, the text messages tell us why. Quote, Agents believe the investigation was being run by FBI officials who were in the tank for Hillary Clinton. Doing all this election research, I think some of these guys won a Clinton presidency. That was on August 11th, shortly after the FBI opened the crossfire hurricane investigation against Trump. And one series of texts sent the same day as the infamous January 5th Oval Office meeting with Obama, Biden, Comey, Sally Yates and Susan Rice One agent admits that Trump was right when he tweeted that the FBI was delaying his briefings as incoming president so they could cook up evidence against him. As the Federalist first reported last May, that January 5th meeting was key to understanding the entire anti-Trump operation run out of Obama's FBI. The intelligence briefing on so-called Russian hacking was delayed until Friday. Perhaps more time needed to build a case, Trump tweeted on January 3rd. Very strange. Hmm. So is Razor going to stay open? An agent wrote on January 5th. Yep. Another FBI agent responded. Crimes report being drafted. F. The first agent wrote back for a four letter word there, folks. Don't know, but people here are scrambling for info to support certain things. And it's a madhouse. An FBI agent responded. Jesus. An agent wrote back. Trump was right. Still not put together. Why did we do this to ourselves? What is wrong with these people? Oh, wait, um, but the media told us and other so-called national security experts who would try to debate me a little bit on this until they all just disappeared because I was smoking them. Uh, I thought everything was on the up and up. Everything's fine. Why are FBI agents texting each other in a panic? Recognizing that they're fabricating a full scale investigation against the, the now president of the or soon to be president of the United States because they know what they're getting themselves into and they knew what it was going to require. They they were going to just do everything they had to here. Ban at all the survivors so there are no eyewitnesses to the treachery, the treachery of Comey and Brennan and the rest of these disgusting Democrat thugs. They should all rot in prison. But I'm sorry to tell you that's very unlikely to happen. But at least we know the truth. At least you and I know what really happened. And if we want justice, there's only one way to achieve it. Donald Trump has to get reelected. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before I tell you about the latest uh, insanity from the BLM protesters, these uh, angry little lunatics running around, ruining their communities, hurting people, destroying property, achieving nothing. Before before we get into that, I want to let you hear something that's inspirational. I want you to hear something that is a reminder of what's at stake here, but also the the good, the upside, the promise of this election. It's not all just we're in this fight and terrible things are going to happen. That's all true. But there can be lives that are inspired. 
There are people who can achieve a better future for themselves because of this political movement that Donald Trump represents and some of the policies that he will continue to pursue if he's president. I'm not a lib. I don't think everything's perfect. I don't think Trump is going to make everybody happy and everything wonderful. But I think that it is a it is a positive for far more people to have Donald Trump in office than it would be to have his decrepit opponent. Here is a a, a truck driver. This Donald Trump retweeted this himself. And it's it's worth watching the whole thing. I just want to play some of it for you. I believe his name is Gary Lamb. And he's a he's a black man in America doing a job providing for his family. And here's his view of President Trump. Play it to me. Trump is a second chance. So when you say he's with he's uh, I'm like, nah, dude, he's way more than that. He's way more than that. You see, I, I don't have the luxury to worry about freaking Roe versus Wade. I have no I have I don't have the luxury to worry about that. I'm too busy trying to keep my family fed to think about that. And for the first goddamn time in my life, I actually see a way out. I see a way out, something I've never seen before. I see a way out, man. And just that little bit of hope is enough for me to have a fire in my belly, powerful to freaking charge the goddamn world, man. I'm ready to take over. But if Biden gets in the office, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. He goes on for a couple of minutes. It's really powerful and it's eloquent. You can tell it's just heartfelt. It's from a guy who just sees. He sees that that Trumpism is inspiration for individual people to try to achieve the life they want, to try to achieve the respect for themselves and respect within their communities of being free to to rise, to make good choices, to build and to be a, a really important and positive part of their of their community, whatever, wherever the community is across the country, whatever city, whatever state, wherever you live. There's something deeply positive about all of this, inspiring, encouraging. And I just wish that fewer people in this country were subjected to the constant drumbeat of anti-Trump propaganda, the, the, the straight up insanity of Trump is such a racist and he's a fascist, because unfortunately, a lot of people are easily swayed. A lot of people believe what they hear. They believe what's repeated. And they either don't have the self-confidence or they just don't have the critical faculties to work through and, and, and get past a very sophisticated and increasingly omnipresent left-wing propaganda machine in this country. You know, they control the social media platforms. They control the traditional media platforms. They control academia. They control the levers of power inside the federal bureaucracy still. That's what the deep state is. There are people like Gary Lamb who are saying, I want a better future. I want less regulations. I want a leader who tells people that they too can achieve, that they can be inspired, that doesn't make excuses for everybody, who feels like they're left out, who tells people who feel like they've been uh, left behind by government policy, I'm going to fix that by addressing bad trade deals. By bringing things back home into America, by trying to encourage investment, opportunity, production, growth, all here in America and have the benefits of that for the American people. Chinese government doesn't give a crap about any of you and doesn't feel bad about it, doesn't sit around thinking, oh, you know, we are one world and why don't we? No, no. But in America, the left 
has this constant undermining of American confidence. We're a bad country. We're a racist country. We were founded on on slavery and built on oppression and colonialism and fight unjust wars. Okay, except for against the Nazis, they'll say, but fight unjust wars. And we have a lot of uh, explaining to do and begging for forgiveness. Look at Obama going around the world. Oh, the Obama administration was actually going around the world. President Obama himself asking for forgiveness. Think of what that does to the mass psychology of this country. To be an American under the Obama administration was to feel like you had things to be sorry for. We didn't do anything. We're not responsible for what was done 50, 100, 150 years ago by people in this country. It's not your it's not your fault. And I'm not saying that just to be in America makes you some superhero and everything is awesome either. But you can understand that the American ethos, if it's fostered and supported, is that you can be you can be someone that you aspire to uh, here in this country. You have that opportunity, which is a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing. And, and if there was more focus on that and less on whining, nagging, complaining about things that have nothing. To, you know, I, I complain about bad Democrat policies. They're ruining cities. Those are things that I want change for. No one can change what happened 100 years ago. No one can be held responsible for what another person did. See, they're undermining foundational concepts in our society of justice and responsibility and individuality with this left-wing garbage. Gary Lamb understands. He understands that, that the implicit message of Trump and his supporters is we love our fellow Americans and we want everybody to know that the government is going to try to support good ideas, good policies, and a good future for everyone. You got it. It's on you, though. Right? I mean, we're not we're not you're constantly uh, growing the welfare state even more and and doing socialism and pulling others down to lift. That's the that's the difference. And that ultimately doesn't make people feel better that ultimately doesn't actually inspire dependency is a weakness dependency is something that people want to avoid you know if you're going to be dependent yeah you can be dependent on your family on your friends on the government you're always going to be disappointed and the government will never say we failed you they'll always point to someone else gary lamb understands this I know I could sit down with Gary Lamb and have a conversation with him about what he sees in Trump, and we would have a, an, a fantastic exchange. And we'd see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. And I, I don't know where Gary's from. I don't know his background, but I'm sure there are some differences in, in you know, where we're from and how we, how, we, you know, how we see certain things, but there'd be a lot where we would see eye to eye. I just hope there are a lot more Gary Lambs out there across the country. Uh, this is the silent majority that everyone's speaking about. The more people who understand, forget the media. I mean, the media is atrocious. And they are the enemy of the people. Trump was right. He was right. They're hurting this country. They're not helping. They make everything worse. Everything worse. All for their own benefit and power. Let's hope the Trump movement has just a few million Gary Lambs out there. People who might get pressure from their community not to vote for Trump. Might have a lot of friends who think voting for Trump is crazy, but they know it's not. It's better for us, better for America. 
You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. There's another vision of this country, another view of who we are as a nation and what our path forward is, one the Democrats have embraced, one the Democrats are spending a lot of time promoting everywhere that they can. And we see it with this uh, BLM movement day in and day out, continuing to cause mayhem and destruction, right? Injustice in the name of justice. That is the central the central theme of Black Lives Matter. They commit injustices because they care so much about justice and they wonder why people like me do not respect the movement. Never bent the knee, never, you know, uh, and, and never said, yeah, let's, let's do what BLM wants. No, no. And this is what ends up happening when you have corporations and major media entities and all the rest who spend a lot of time, who really go out of their way to bend the knee to BLM. They make it feel stronger. They make it feel invulnerable. They make it feel like they can just cross the line constantly. And here is in Louisville, this was last night, they created a space near a church. Protesters were able to gather near a church because, you know, there are a lot of churches that are all about BLM, which... I don't know. Do the, does the, the priest think it's OK when people are dragged out of their cars and beaten to a bloody pulp? Really want to support that movement? Father and eh, Padre? Really? A lot of priests, a lot of priests betraying the principles of their faith in, in the name of left wing politics. A lot of them. It's very upsetting, but conversations will continue to have more another time. Here's a protester uh, explaining what the what he really thinks. This is a BLM protester explaining what he thinks of the fellow protesters who happen to be white, who have also gathered in this space near a church in Louisville. Play six. Get the f- out! All you white motherfuckers, please! All you white motherfuckers, please! You heard what the f- I said, nigga? I will beat your Get the f- out! Yeah. All you white people leave. With a lot of bleeps. So much for uh, being a white ally of the BLM movement, as far as this guy's concerned. All the white people leave. Can you imagine another uh, another race of people being told that shows up? In th- those are fellow protesters. He's saying all all you white people out. Is is there a, a a black supremacist element to some of these BLM protests? You you do have to ask the question. Is there a new Black Panther Party style supremacist ideology that is? Well, there's definitely an anti-cop. Maybe let's go kill some cops ideology. We've seen that. That's proven now. Oh, it turns out the guy who shot the two cops in Louisville, young African-American, he has BLM stuff all over his social media. Just a standard BLM supporter guy. Yeah, just thinks it's all man. The cops are doing these terrible things. You know how I tell you that that the the central lie of the BLM movement is that the police are hunting young black men for for sport. You know how I tell you that that is the central inescapable lie that the whole thing is built on. I know that sounds like that must be extreme because it's so reckless and untrue. It's such an evil thing to say, the kind of thing that would if someone believed it, drive people to violence. 
And yet it is a thing that you will hear said by, um, by protesters. It is a thing that you will hear repeated on TV. Um, Biden voter here, a Biden voter tells CNN exactly that. Play 14. Quite frankly, I'm tired of turning on the news and watching people look like me being slaughtered for sport. I really am just at the point now where I don't I don't want to have to keep explaining to my kids like why they have to move differently because of the color of their skin. Black people being slaughtered for sport, she says on the air at CNN. It's a disgusting thing to say. No, in fact, when a black person in this country is shot by police under what are often on its face, completely justifiable circumstances, there are often riots and a national conversation and a conflagration, actual fires, as we know. I meant that metaphorically, but actual fires being set to buildings. So how, how is it that in this society we pretend that black men are being murdered by police for sport when the actual reality that we see is that there are black men who are killed in the commission of a felony, including felony and perhaps even attempted murder against a police officer. And then there are national riots and there are people marching in the streets and every politician has to have some, you know, some somber conversation with the public about why it's just lies. It's just lies. They continue to lie about all of this. And the worst, the worst lie of all is this claim that black people are being slaughtered for sport. Think about what that implication, that that implication is that there are people in the police force who want to go through this, even in the most justified shootings that you've seen by police officers. Right. Some of this on video and some of it we just know from eyewitness testimony even in the very clearly justified use of force situations, cops involved often have their lives ruined. The cops involved are going to have sleepless nights. You know, people don't often talk about this. If you're involved, involved in a fatal shooting, there's a very real chance that officer might have serious psychological difficulties, PTSD afterwards. Cops don't take that job because they want to kill anybody. They take the job to protect people and to enforce the law because society needs that. But young people, particularly young black males across the country, are being told by some of their biggest role models, the most powerful, wealthy, influential voices and by the mainstream media that there are police out there who get enjoyment out of murdering young black men. It's it's the most heinous lie you can you could come up with uh, about law enforcement if your intent was to just destroy and divide the country. What, what could be more ugly than that? And we're supposed to listen to this and believe this, treat this like it's a serious political movement. And it's a serious threat to the country, but it's not a political movement that deserves your respect. It's not a movement that deserves uh, that, that that is going to bring about reform. And I'm happy to see there are voices out there. There are voices in the black community who are coming forward and saying, OK, this stuff about defunding the police and how the police are hunting people. This is really bad. This is wrong. Play 13 to really be careful when we you know i hear these fools on tv talking about defund the police and things like that we need police reform and prison reform and things like that because you know who ain't gonna defund the cops 
white neighborhoods and rich neighborhoods. So that notion they keep saying that, I'm like, wait a minute, we just gonna leave, who, who are black people supposed to call, Ghostbusters? When we have crime in our neighborhoods, we need police reform. But like I say, white people, especially rich white people, they're always gonna have cops. So we need to stop that defund or abolish the cops crap. What he's saying about the abolishing the police stuff is true. And I understand people say police reform, um, I never really hear any particularly good ideas about police reform. And this does go back to a roll call question yesterday. Uh, increased transparency about lawsuits about uh, involving police. Maybe there are a lot of frivolous use of force lawsuits. It's kind of a slip and fall accident thing. There's some lawyers who specialize in that, though. So you have to be aware of that. There are excessive use of force situations. There's no question. And it's horrible. The penalties, the public often doesn't know this, but the penalties, if you have I actually know a police officer very well who um, was doing a routine routine arrest and the guy said that he groped him. That the officer groped him and he was facing uh, federal charges over that over civil rights, like a sexual assault, civil rights violation in custody. Yeah, it was a lie. Fortunately, the partner was there to back him up. But the penalties are already severe, folks, for law enforcement when they really do mess up. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. These results from this grand jury, Tamika Mallory, you know, wanton endangerment for the white neighbor's apartment that lived next to her, but no wanton endangerment for the bullet tray that went into the apartment of the black neighbors above her apartment and no wanton endangerment for the bullets that went actually into Breonna Taylor's apartment and Lanita no wanton murder charges for the bullets that mutilated Breonna Taylor's body Mr. Blake it underscores what we have been saying all along there seems to be two justice systems in America, mm-hmm. one for black America and one for white America. And this has been emphasized by this grand jury proceeding into the killing of Breonna Taylor. A lot of yelling, a lot of emotion from Ben Crump, who is the attorney for Breonna Taylor's family. Breonna Taylor's already received her family's already received 12 million dollars from the city of Louisville. OK, so. They've already said, look, this was a terrible accident. But this lawyer doesn't seem to care much about the law. What do they really think was supposed to happen here? That's what's never a lot of emotion. A lot of it's terrible. And it is terrible. But we're, we're a nation of laws, not a nation of emotions that then get to dictate what happens to people. What was supposed to go down here? You're going to charge an officer with murder for shooting at somebody who was shooting at him and missing that's a murder now? Is that what they... Then they should really have to say this. What would have been justice? And they're going to they're gonna try to convince a jury that a cop who is being... Sh- or cops who are being shot at by somebody. We're not even talking now about, oh, we thought we saw a gun, or maybe he was... He'd already shot an officer in the leg who could have bled out from his femoral artery in his thigh. Already shot a cop. And I'm sorry, but who just starts blasting away at people... At 3 a.m. when they knock on the door, 
I mean, I understand you want to get your handgun ready. You don't want to say, who is it or whatever. You're going to shoot without knowing. What if it's a neighbor saying you got a gas leak, buddy? The cop, you know, the you got to get out. You just going to start blasting away. Come on. Oh, he thought it were. This is now the guy, the, the boyfriend of Breonna Taylor. He thought they were drug dealers. How many of you are worried that drug dealers are going to try to rob you at 3 a.m.? That's a very specific concern, isn't it? If drug dealers broke into my apartment at 3 a.m., they might get the $60 I have in my wallet and my kind of old flat screen TV. No drugs, no cash here. Why would they do that? Some important facts laid out by uh, Matt Walsh. It's one of the few people on, you know, Matt Walsh, my man, Jesse Kelly. uh, There are only a few people that have been just really solid on this BLM garbage, the lies from the very beginning. And I I put those guys in that category. Um, And Dan Bongino, who's great on this stuff and thoughts and prayers to Dan. I know he shared that he had some he has some health concerns right now, but. Dan, Dan Bongino is going to beat that thing with his with his eyes closed. He's, he's going to have no problems. But we are we are thinking about him. We're praying for him. But Matt Walsh put this out. Brianna Taylor's car was spotted at a drug house multiple times. She was recorded talking about the drug house. A dead body was found in a car rented under her name. Taylor's ex-boyfriend said she handled the money. That seems relevant to whether they were justified in exercising a warrant against her home, doesn't it? Doesn't it? How many of you, I'm just wondering, how many of you listening have rented a car and while it was out under the rental in your name, there was a dead body found in the trunk? I'm going to guess the answer is zero. How many of you have a, you know, a romantic partner who is caught on tapes from jail talking about your role in the drug trade that he engages in. I'm going to guess zero. Now, again, that's not to say that she uh, that it was justified that she was shot. It's to say the warrant on her home was justified and the use of force in response to someone shooting at the cops was justified. All I'm saying is just what the law did find here. But I will say Ben Crumpy, attorney for the Taylor family, he's uh, he's doing a, a pretty intelligent thing from his completely unethical and slimy and disgusting perspective. But it's it's a smart tactic. They the, the why are you charging with the wanton endangerment? That was clearly just to try and buy off the mob. And all it's done is made it seem like the justice system does give in to the whims of the mob. So why give him? Why give in to the whims of the mob a little bit? Why not go all in? Bring that murder charge. Look what they did again against the cop in Atlanta. Brought that murder charge. Look what they did against Kyle Rittenhouse. First degree murder charge. By the way, I think that cop in Atlanta is absolutely going to. He's going to request a bench trial, and he will be uh, he will be found not guilty. That's my that's my I hope and pray, but that's what I think is going to happen. Rittenhouse, I'm worried about. I had an argument recently with a conservative friend of mine um, who believed that Rittenhouse's lawyers are just because they, they were, I know, involved in the salmon defamation. That's not the same, not the same kind of lawyer, folks. I, I'm concerned about the counsel that uh, Rittenhouse has, and that matters. That matters. Oh, you just, just watch my cousin Vinny. You know, you don't want to be charged with a murder 
and have the wrong legal representation. Um, the Democrats are responsible for all this, right? We, we, we understand that. I don't want anyone to forget that. I don't want that to get left aside in all of this. The Democrats are the reason that all of this is continuing to happen as it is. Um, they won't call it out. They could certainly stifle this. They could try to shut this down, but they won't. And I think the president is on very solid ground here when he says that this is something that uh, Biden should be held responsible for. The Democrats are on an anti-police jihad. Play 19. He's called for the ridiculous cutting of police funding, abolishing cash bail, if you can believe that, and the closing of our prisons. They want to close our prisons. That's a good idea. He even described law enforcement as the enemy. He said law enforcement is the enemy. Now, you know, I, I assume, I'll ask the fake news, has he taken it back? I assume, because he's taken everything back. He's taken anti-fracking back. He's taken pretty much everything back. But remember, it's the first thing they say. That's what they stick with. Biden's anti-police crusade must stop. As president, I will always stand with the heroes of law enforcement. It's amazing to me that the Democrat, uh, the Democrat Party can even show its face anymore on issues involving police. I, I can't imagine being a member of law enforcement and, and having anything but the most seething contempt for people like Biden and Kamala Harris, because they're at the top of this whole Democrat machinery, which is constantly trashing police, trashing the cops. That is what they do. Undermining them, putting them at risk. Cops are dying because the Democrats will not confront the lie. If, if Joe Biden were a man of honor, who cared about our law enforcement professionals across the country, he would say in a speech, in a public statement, guys, there are there are cases of police brutality and police should always be held accountable and we will work to strengthen oversight of that. But the story that black men are hunted by the police for sport is not true. Why won't Joe Biden say that? Why won't Kamala Harris say that do, do they not think that that's the case do they believe that police are hunting black men for sport because if the answer to that is yes oh they definitely need to tell us that everybody should know that but no they'll play this halfway game they won't denounce the central lie of their own side they won't denounce the foundational mythology of blm and they'll do this very boilerplate rote. Yeah, sure. You know, cops are, you know, we like cops sometimes, but, you know, we got to make sure we throw some in prison if people don't like what they're doing. It's, un it's unacceptable, friends. Absolutely unacceptable. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. You have to be very careful with the ballots. The ballots, that's a whole big scam. You know, they found, I understand, eight ballots in a uh, waste paper basket in some location. Uh, they found, uh, it was reported in one of the newspapers that they found a lot of ballots in a river. 
they throw them out if they have the name Trump on it, I guess, but they had ballots. They had no names on them. Okay, well, they still found them in a river, whether they had a name on it or not. But uh, the other ones had the Trump name on it, and they were thrown into a waste paper basket. We want to make sure the election is honest, and I'm not sure that it can be. I don't, I don't know that it can be with this whole situation, unsolicited ballots. There are unsolicited millions being sent to everybody, and we'll see. But uh, if you remember, Hillary Clinton just a week ago or so told Joe Biden, do not accept the results of the election under any circumstances. But you don't ask her that question. You only ask me the question. This goes into a couple of things here that we need to talk about. One is they're already finding mail-in ballots that are discarded, they're they're already uh, they're already coming up and and look. Is anyone surprised by this? Does anyone think that this is uh, not going to happen? Here you go. This is the the NPR. So you know your taxpayer funded communist but domestic American propaganda. Feds in unusual statement announced they're investigating discarded ballots. Uh, The FBI and the U.S. attorney for the Middle District of Pennsylvania said Thursday they're investigating potential issues with nine military ballots in one county. They believe the ballots were opened improperly, though they've not taken any charge, any action or filed any charges. U.S. attorney David Freed said the investigation remains active. Uh, Voting rights and Justice Justice Department veterans said the proximity to the election and preliminary nature of the investigation makes this highly unusual. Oh, why? Why? See, this is the classic thing. Whenever stuff comes out that hurts the Democrat narrative, it's why is there so much transparency? That's what you hear from the journalists. They're doing it with the DOJ FBI text messages, too. There's too much transparency going on here. Yeah, because the journalists really want to bring you the truth. Say the morons. Uh, My God. White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany also waited on the lost ballots. Play three. In the last 24 hours, police in Greenville, Wisconsin, found mail in a ditch, and it included absentee ballots. Um, And also, I can confirm for you that Trump ballots, um, ballots for the president, were found in Pennsylvania. And I believe you should be getting more information on that shortly. Here in the last 24 hours, they were found cast aside. For every ballot that you find cast aside right now that you happen to find at this stage before a vast majority of people have actually voted every ballot you find cast aside uh there's a lot more that you're not finding that have somehow disappeared been thrown in a ditch thrown in a garbage can and that's why sending out live ballots to everybody on a voter roll we know voter rolls have a whole lot of people who are dead or moved or gone is a reckless policy But that's why Democrats want it. They want the reckless policy. They want this to be happening the way that it is. It's pretty appalling, but that way they'll have an opening to uh, they'll, they'll have an opening to contest the results of the election no matter what. They're mandating looser election protections so that as a backup plan, they can say, look at how loose these election protections were. Look at how our election was not secured. They demand the insecurity so that later they can complain about the insecurity if they say if if, uh, there's the possibility that or if they lose rather. Nancy Pelosi, I also want to get to this. Nancy Pelosi giving us a sense of just what extremes they're going to try to go to uh, in order to stop. Assuming it's Amy Coney Barrett, we find out tomorrow. 
But if it is her or anyone else, for that matter, that Trump would appoint, uh, here's here's the Pelosi approach to this because she's such a an institutionalist and a law and order person, right? Play twelve. I'm sorry, no, play uh, eleven. These uh, many, you know, I have the privilege of um, uh, being a leader in the most diverse party in every possible way, uh, including opinion. A large number of people outside, not in the House, but outside, wanted me to shut down government because of what they're doing on Justice Ginsburg. Shut down government? I'm not a big believer in shutting down government. But when the West is on fire and the South is battered storms and the whole country is suffering from a pandemic and we have a downturn in our economy and the people we need so that we can do our jobs, public employees, we're going to shut them down? No, thanks. But think about that. Democrats right now were telling, according to Nancy Pelosi, were saying shut down the government because of the Supreme Court pick. That just that shows you the mentality, folks. I don't know what they're going to do yet. And I think that they're in a panic because the character assassination thing, I mean, attacking her Catholicism with everything they've got. That might backfire. That's not like saying this guy's a secret rapist, even though no intelligent person believes that. Um, you know, that that emotionally, some people might will be scared to disagree with it. But attacking her Catholicism, I don't know. And it's a little bit like uh, the the attacking Trump for not, you know, the, the, the same thing they're doing with the ballots, by the way, where they're they're creating a circumstance where they have a built in excuse for why they lose. You also have this with a peaceful transition of power thing that they keep bringing up with Trump. Oh, he's not going to peacefully. The Democrats in 2016 didn't allow the peaceful transition of power. The Obama team was trying to destroy the president as he came in. We know that now. And, and this is all just meant to create an upfront narrative the Democrats can latch on to that an election result that they don't like is illegitimate. That's all this is. That's the whole point. It's the whole plan. So we should be clear on that right now. There's no good faith in this process. There's no effort to, you know, no effort to just accept come what may with this election. No, they're definitely going to do what they can to make sure that there is panic and outrage if Trump wins. I certainly hope he does. I'm just trying to think of what sore winner victory dance I'm going to do and post on social media because that's the kind of mood I'll be in. But we got to get there first, friends. Got to get there first. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Judge Janine in the house, everybody. She's joining us now. You know her from her show Saturday nights on Fox News, where she's a host. But she's got a new book out. Don't lie to don't lie to me and stop trying to take my liberty. Judge Janine, great to have you on. Well, it's great to be with you, Buck. It's nice. You know, I've missed you. I haven't seen you that much on Fox. And uh, although you do you do come around, but I love listening to you. And it's great to be with you today. Thanks so much for having uh, having the time with us. We appreciate it. So tell us. Uh, who's lying to you and why are they taking your liberty? Yeah. Well, the left is lying to us from the day Donald Trump came down the escalator. I won't even say the day he walked into the Oval because the corruption started the day he said he was going to run for president where they tried to frame him. And, you know, every day you, you, there's more and more corroboration of it. So my first book, Liars, Leakers and Liberals, uh, was all about the Russia collusion delusion. And, uh, you know, my background as a prosecutor and a DA and a judge, it was pretty obvious what was going on there. 
And then I moved to Radicals, Resistance, and Revenge, where, you know, they were so full of uh, revenge for not having it dragged Hillary across, across the finish line that they resisted everything that Donald Trump did, and they were radical. But at this point, you know, they're just out and out lying to us, and they're trying to steal our freedom. But look, they, what they want us to do is they want to, you know, lock us in our homes, open the borders, defund the police, and take away our guns. None of that works for me, and I doubt it works for you. And, you know, some of it, they say, is, is, is to protect us, you know, and that the police are serial racist murderers. I mean, the, 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 the nonsense that's going on in this country uh, with the insistence that, you know, we stay in our homes and then we find out, well, hey, wait a minute, it's people in the homes who don't get the fresh air, or don't get the vitamin C, you know, who aren't out there and who are on top of each other that are getting the problems and, and the illnesses. Uh, and then what they say to us, you know, you can't open your business as a result of that. People, you know, suffer from depression. They go back to alcohol, uh, you know, drugs, um, you know, suicide, uh, kids, you know, and I did this as a prosecutor, child abuse, sexual abuse in the home, domestic violence, neglect that's not being identified because nobody's out in public. I mean, it's just a nightmare. And then we've got this Kamala Harris, the most leftist senator in the Senate, who says the, the Constitution does not prevent her from confiscating our guns. Uh, and so and open the borders and, you know, everything will be great. And if you're from New York, as I am, uh, you've got the mayor's wife, uh, uh, Charlene McRae, who says that to get rid of the police in New York would be like living in Nirvana. She, of course, has not bothered to get rid of her police detail. So as we go forward, I think the most important thing people can understand and take from the book is, number one, a, a lot of footnotes to support everything I'm saying. If you get in an argument with someone, just go to the book. That's number one. And number two uh, is the fact that so much is at stake right now as they're trying to turn this country, as you well know, Buck, into a socialist country, and that would be the worst thing that could happen to us. Talking to Judge Jeanine Pirro, her book is Don't Lie to Me and Stop Trying to Steal Our Freedom, available now on Amazon.com. Judge, are, are we going to see, in your opinion, any justice for the uh, either through the Durham probe or as a result of the Russia collusion hoax? You know, the Federalists just had this great piece out about all these text messages from the FBI agents. Yes. They knew they knew that they were acting improperly and yet they're going to get away with it. What do you think? Well, they not only knew that they were acting improperly, they knew that it was that it was maddening, that it was crazy in that Oval meeting in the White House with President Obama and uh, Jim Comey and, uh, and Biden was in there, too. And they said that they're they're you know, it's, it's like a madhouse. They're trying to collect information. They're using NSL uh, letters, national security letters, so they don't have to get approvals from judges. Uh, and they knew that what they were doing was beyond the pale. It wasn't authorized. It wasn't legal. So they go out and get insurance, not the insurance they were talking about as if, you know, if Donald Trump wins, let's get insurance, which was to kick in the impeachment piece. It's insurance for them, professional liability insurance to protect them from their own criminal, irresponsible, immoral actions. Uh, and then I got to tell you, uh, Buck, this guy, Chris Ray, who's the head of the FBI, this guy's got to go 
because a year later in the uh, Senate intel hearings, the FBI is still going along with their lying narrative about the Steele dossier paid for by Hillary Clinton that was nothing more than barroom talk that they know was unverified. They knew the subsource. You know, it had a counterintelligence investigation against him, and it was now working in the United States and was being paid for by Hillary Clinton. I mean, th- and this is just crazy. Is there going to be any accountability, though, Judge? Oh, but that I had a, a crystal ball, Buck. What I can tell you is this. Is if there isn't, I have spent more than three decades, and I've run for office five times as a prosecutor and a DA and a judge. Uh, that will all have been lost because I believe in the system. I believe in Lady Justice. I believe she's blind. If there are no prosecutions other than the one indictment against Kevin Klein, a low-level FBI attorney, I will be extremely disappointed and wonder if it was all for naught. Judge Janine Pierre, everybody, check out, obviously, on Fox News, her show, Justice with Judge Janine, and her book, it's out now, Don't Lie to Me and Stop Trying to Steal Our Freedom. Judge Janine, always fun to talk to you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for talking with me. I appreciate it. Take care, Buck. You too. Bye. I don't see a uh, prosecution coming out of any of this Durham stuff, as I've been telling you. I I don't see it happening. I think that they're going to... The deep state is... They're a slippery bunch. Yes, they should all be fired, and some of them have been, but they're they're able to keep their stuff in that realm of that gray area of professional culpability without clear violations of criminal law that they could be. You know, you could try to get them on conspiracy. I mean, I think it's possible, but it would be quite a fight. And remember this, friends, because I know people are going to, you know, people ask me this. Buck, if you don't believe that there is any justice, why do you why do you support Barr so much? I think that Barr is doing what he can with the laws we have and the system that exists as it does. If you bring federal charges against, let's say, Comey and it's in D.C. Uh, and, and you're in that D.C. federal court. Guess what? The D.C. Circuit Court, you're going to get a jury of lunatic Trump haters and they're going to see it as an opportunity to make sure that James Comey walks right away i mean you you're never going to get a jury in dc to convict james comey not in washington dc friends so you got to remember that you got to remember that even if they brought charges the chance of a conviction against these deep state henchmen folks i know you don't want to hear this but i never lie to you i'm always going to tell you the truth chance of them getting a conviction is probably about the same thing as the chance of anybody dying from covid who's healthy and under the age of 50 it's very very low not zero but low. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Grow up and vote for Trump. Why 2020 is your last chance to become an adult. That is the uh, very enticing title from our friend Eddie Scary over at the Washington Examiner. His book is out now. You can get a copy of it. Grow up and vote for Trump. Eddie, my man, good to have you on. Why should folks grow up and vote for Trump? Well, it's, it's actually very simple. I think that people, there's a lot of undecided voters out there. I know a lot. I'm sure you've talked to a lot who say, you know, I don't like the way Trump talks. I don't like the way he tweets. I don't like the way, uh, you know, I, he's not someone I would invite to my Thanksgiving dinner. Um, and yeah, on the other hand, but I'm really scared of this Black Lives Matter rioting. Um, I'm not sure that Joe Biden's the guy for the economy. I don't know that anyone else has the answer on the coronavirus. 
Well, those are the stakes, and they're very high. So whereas Trump maybe isn't someone you want to um, you want to <laughs> set your children on his lap, um, he is the person who has done well with the economy. Um, he is the wall standing between uh, normal people and the Black Lives Matter mob. So it's time to just kind of suck it up, be a responsible adult. Being a responsible adult often means making the choice that is hard or that maybe you don't want to make. Um, but growing up isn't fun, but it definitely means voting for Donald Trump. And, and when you say that, you, you know, you know, in people that haven't decided yet, I'll be honest with you. I don't know anyone who hasn't decided yet. I know people that are uh, the idea of voting for and I'm talking about in personal life, not, you know, people that I know in the, in the media or that write in and such. But uh, everyone I know is either horrified at the idea of Trump getting reelected or just completely outraged at the notion of Trump not getting reelected. So when you talk when you talk to independents or people that are undecided, and I'm, I'm sure you must have done some of that for the book. What are they undecided on at this point? I always kind of wonder about that. I mean, are they just looking at where the economy is and going to decide on that? Or is it just I worry that it's the last news broadcast they see that determines whether or not some of these people are going to vote in Ohio and Florida and Pennsylvania for Trump or Biden? Right. I mean, and I can I can tell you there are two women, young women, um, one's engaged. Uh, the other one is married with children. One lives in Arizona, one lives in Indiana. And uh, I, I talk to them all the time. Neither of them are completely settled. When we when we have these conversations, I always kind of view it as an exercise just to form my own inform my own thinking on this and what people are thinking outside of D.C. And yet it is kind of the same thing that comes up over again. It's a it's a distaste, a personal distaste for Trump. Um, you kind of look at it as the opposite of what the deal was with um, President Obama. A lot of people personally liked him, but they didn't like his policies. You see the opposite going with Trump. They do not like him personally, but they they are in favor of his policies if they don't if they don't necessarily associate the two. Um, but that's what that's why I write the book is it's about it's a matter of drawing that link, getting it through people that, again, you may not like him personally. You may not want to sit next to him at dinner. But again, growing up isn't always easy, but it means voting for Trump. It means voting for the guy who's who's saying we've had enough of this vandalism, the looting, the rioting, because I'm telling you, the 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 other side is basically the base now is it acts. It behaves as children. They say uh, we're going to make as much noise. We're going to we're going to terrify you. We're going to just make it so unbearable for you every day, your everyday life that you're just going to want to give us the power. And that's what children do. They whine until they get what they want. Um, you know, but it's time to be the adult in the room and say, we're not going to do that. That's not how we're going to do things in this country. And Donald Trump is the person. He's the only alternative to seeing that happen. Do you get into his response uh, to covid as part of the pitch of grow up and vote for Trump? Or do you really focus just on BLM and the law and order issue? No, there's an entire chapter. I think the first chapter really is about the covid response. Um, and, and my book is not exactly easy on the president. Um, I am critical of the president. Um, I, I don't think there's a single person out there, a reasonable person out there who can say that the president, his administration has, has done a bang up job on the response to covid. I think he made a lot of mistakes. Um, but and yet what is now that we are where we are, do we want to do we want to go to the party of lockdowns? That's what Democrats are saying. That's what Joe Biden's saying is I'll shut it down the second an expert tells me to. Well, the experts have said a lot of things and they've turned out to be wrong in a lot of cases. They said masks did nothing. Now they save lives. They said everyone stay indoors. Now they're saying uh, you stay indoors. We're going to see more infection. We're going to see more deaths. So there, there's been a lot of, of things that we shouldn't necessarily have looked to the experts for. So do we want to go forward working through the coronavirus, working through the pandemic should mean literally working through it. And that's what we're trying to do. And yet. Joe Biden, the AOCs of the Democratic Party, they're saying, you know what, you 
give up your job, give up your life, give up any sense of what you believe to be normal. We'll give you a little check here and there um, to keep you, tide you over, but stay inside, stay inside, and, and, and you're never going to go back to normal. They say that, by the way. They say we're never going back to normal. Normal is still an option, and normal, again, the only way we're going to get there is if we reelect Donald Trump. Oh, wait, so out of curiosity, Eddie, so you say that you think that Trump has made mistakes, and I think there are things that Trump has done that I did not want him to do or that, in retrospect, look like, they weren't the right move for the pandemic. But it seems to me that those things were the things that he was told to do by the experts that he's supposed to listen to. Right. I mean, so this is where I think it's interesting, the Democrat criticism of Trump on this, in a sense, when we're relying on the CDC and the NIH to come up with policy and we're told if you don't listen to them, you're reckless. And then we do listen to them. And I think Trump did at every stage. I, I cannot find I, I don't know one thing where Trump didn't do what the experts in the government said that he was supposed to do, including extending the lockdowns. So I, I can't quibble with. Yeah, there are things that I think that were done that were wrong. But it seems to me that the things that Trump that he did in that, that didn't work out the way they were supposed to, that were the wrong decision at the time was when he was listening to the experts. Or do you see it differently? No, I, I, I think about that a lot, and I think there's a lot of truth to it. Um, I think the where he where he made mistakes um, was when they eventually said um, to to start wearing the mask. And from the beginning, I believed I had believed before when they were saying nobody wear masks. I thought there's no convincing me that these masks don't work at least a little bit. Um, for him to make fun of Joe Biden for wearing one, um, for him to go to his rallies and say this is going to disappear overnight, um, there were a, a lot of situations like that where I thought these are not the right the right comments to be making about something that even though and I've been writing a lot of it about this at the Washington Examiner, the risk for most by and large for most people, particularly people under the age of you know 55, is very minimal. It's like infinitesimal. Yeah, it's almost zero. Um, and yet right. still, it is a risk. It's right. It's still it's still a risk. It's still a life. There are things that we should be looking at to be taken seriously to be protecting certain people. So to be so cavalier, um, to brush it off as something that's going to disappear. We have 15 people dead. We're soon we're soon going to see the number drop to zero. I think, um, like you're saying, I think in, in a lot of ways he was following what the experts said. Um, and yet there, there was also there has also been strong. Yeah, I mean, Fa Fauci was saying Fauci was saying in February that it was like no big deal. Right? So, I mean, I remember I remember Fauci. Yeah, hey, you know, don't worry about it. It's like, OK, well, you know, now it's turning out trashing Trump. I'm much more concerned. And you raise this point about what Democrats are going to do. There had been this theory, this concern on the right that, oh, as soon as Biden wins, this all goes away. I think that's a total misread. I think if Biden wins, right. then they leverage this whole situation. Then they say everyone's got to wear their mask and everyone's got to mobilize the same way to fight climate change. And every, you know, they, they use exactly. this moment of fear and political mobilization as as a, a Democrat agenda tool. Oh, sure. Exactly. I, I completely agree with you. I'm so glad there's somebody in a prom prominent position saying the exact same thing, because I've been I thought the same thing. You know, people say this is going to go away after the election because it's a political tool. No, it's going to be ramped up times 10. And don't think for one second that people like um, Andrew Cuomo don't enjoy being on TV, called uh, called an authority, called a leader, um, certain even certain scientists that go on CNN every day and, and predict the most dire things they can say. And, and you know, they, they think they're the, the, the voice of reason, the sound expertise they really really enjoy that they enjoy it a little bit too much they enjoy the power because there's a lot of power that comes with telling people to stay inside 
live off of us, depend on us. We're going to be the ones who give you money. Don't worry about your business. Don't worry about what you've built your life saving up for. Don't worry about the dream you created for yourself. Count on us. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of intoxicating power there for the Democratic Party. There's a lot of people too comfortable with these lockdowns. Um, so yes, I think I completely agree. I'm so glad you're saying it because I hadn't heard anybody else say it. Is that this is going to get wor- a lot worse after the election if Joe Biden is elected? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to spread the word. Uh, you, you, it's you, me, and Ann Coulter so far that that have have all been saying, "Hey guys, guess what? <laughs> it gets worse if Biden wins know. with the with the <laughs> lockdowns." But everyone should check out Eddie's book, "Grow Up and Vote for Trump: Why 2020 Is Your Last Chance." to become an adult. Eddie Scary, good luck with the book, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Buck. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. All right. Roll call, everybody. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. That's the way to reach out to us. Or on Instagram, which I hope you're all following me on because we do more and more posting there. Uh, Go to Team Buck at, I'm sorry, Buck Sexton on Instagram. It's pretty easy. So there you have it. CJ writes, Dear Buck, I saw something last night on Andy Knows Twitter that I'd like to ask you about. An officer was hit in the back of the head full force with a baseball bat in Seattle. Seemed like an obvious assault, but it didn't even appear as though the perpetrator got arrested. Having been a police officer, can you help me understand how this is permitted? And if there are no repercussions for striking a police officer, what's to stop it from happening over and over again? Uh, CJ, first off, I was never actually a police officer. I was a an intelligence specialist in the NYPD's intelligence division, effectively a CIA analyst who was borrowed by the NYPD to help them on counterterrorism cases. So I never was a uh, uniformed law enforcement officer, was never a patrol officer or anything like that. But I did work for the NYPD on their most sensitive counterterrorism cases. As for... Uh, and so that means running informants and doing, you know, drafting the surveillance statements and things like that. Uh, doing some of the surveillance, depending on what we're talking about. Um, as for why the person wasn't arrested who hit the cop with a bat. Yeah, well, in these situations where you have so much uh, just madness going on, there's such a, a frenzy of activity. Uh, sometimes the cops aren't able to get the person. They're more concerned about addressing immediate officer safety but yeah i agree i I, can can you imagine you're at a protest and you're just going to go up to a cop with a baseball bat and hit him in the head i mean the guy had a helmet on thank god but still you know i can tell you this you get hit in the head with a baseball bat and you got a helmet on you're still probably getting a concussion you just might not die it's you don't want to get hit in the head with a baseball you know baseball uh bat that's that's gonna hurt no matter what kind of helmet you have on so and dangerous, honestly, even with a helmet on. As for what we see going on here, I, I just think the cops in some places, in some cases, are overwhelmed and aren't really able to to handle this. Um, they're just not they don't have the manpower. They don't have the resources, the personnel to handle this. Um, and there are there's so many maniacs running around in the streets. That's what ends up going on, CJ. It's terrible. Um, and it's a really bad sign 
the future of law and order in this country when cops can be attacked like that without consequence. Noah, I live in Logan, Ohio, and have firsthand information about the woman arrested for not wearing a mask. Everyone at the game was required to wear a mask. My coworker, who was at the game sitting behind his father, was told by the same cop, a very well-known cop, a good guy, school cop for years, to put on his mask. His dad, who was sitting beside him, wasn't wearing a mask because he was eating. The cop said you have to wear a mask or leave unless you're eating. Everyone locally is defending the cop because he had to enforce it and is a good man. But this is the absurdity we've come to. I hope this helps give insight. Finally, something happens in our little town. Noah, thank you for uh, bringing that perspective. And yeah, we always want that ground truth and and that, um, you know, the, the important facts to be front and center whenever we talk about about any news story. Uh, look, I, I think it's wrong to have cops enforcing mask mandates. I think mask I think that mask guidance should be voluntary and left to individuals. People want to wear a mask. Great. Forcing other people to wear masks outdoors is not scientifically based. It's just uh, it's just people. Other people are frightened. And so you're being forced. Your liberties are being compromised because there are other people who are frightened. Well, that's a very slippery slope, friends. And, you know, part of I think people are forgetting this. Part of liberty is there, there's a there's a trade off. Right. I mean, we would all theoretically be safer from kidnapping if the government was allowed to implant a chip in all of our arms to track us. But you'd be trading something off there. But sure, people who are, are kidnapped or people who get lost in the woods or whatever it may be, uh, that's very sad. And that could be stopped if we all had government chips implanted in our arms. But we recognize we don't want to do that. There's some there's some trade off there and mandating mask wearing outside is in that category of it's it's really very minimal benefit to anyone. And it's an intrusion on liberty. And the risk is acceptable. The risk is acceptable for society. And, you know, anybody can get covid. Anyone's loved ones can get covid. There are only so many things that it's reasonable to demand people do in response to this. And I do not think that outdoor mask mandates fall in that category. As for the cop, you know, I. I it's a tough circumstance. I think law enforcement just needs to start nullifying these unacceptable. But I but then you say, well, Buck, what do they get? They're going to get fired from their job over this. Is that really fair? It's it's tough. I can tell you this. I, I would use my I would use my law enforcement discretion if I were a cop. And at a mask situation like this, I'd, I'd talk to the person and say, look, this is the rule people around you are going to get. You know, they're going to get very uh, uptight about this. And I would say to them, um, you know, can you just out of out of courtesy so we can defuse the situation? I, but I couldn't put cuffs on somebody and say you're under arrest for this. I'm sorry. I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. And yeah, maybe. I mean, but really, is that going to cost you your job? I mean, come on. I don't think so. But, you know, with these crazy Democrats, you never know. Donna writes, hello, Buck and producer Mark. Do the Democrats just forget history? FDR changed the retirement age of the Supreme Court to make justices retire so he could pack the court. Donna, Democrats do not care about history, do not care about precedent. It's all about whatever the emotions of the moment demand and require. So there you go. Toby, Buck, producer Mark, I've been down for the count because of getting COVID-19 and I'm starting a new job this week. I'm going over the road. Us truckers like milkshakes, but the country runs on diesel and caffeine. 
Us smarter truckers make black rifle coffee right in our cabs. Toby. Well, God bless, man. I hope you're OK uh, and all back and recovered from getting covid. And and as for tr- see, producer Mark, truckers do like milkshakes. I never denied that they like milkshakes. My point was that they don't sit around in circles every night and drink milkshakes. Wow. And I think he just proved that by saying that America runs on diesel and caffeine. Well, that that's certainly true. And the fact that it runs on Black Rifle makes me very happy. Uh, so that's my coffee. As for, um, yeah, no, I think he answered. I think he answered it all there, Toby. Anyway, God bless. Hope you're healthy. And uh, thanks for reaching out to us. And Team Buck Truckers, we love all of you. Some of our most reliable. We're, we're riding along with Team Buck Truckers all across this country and have been for years. And that's just cool, man. It's cool to know that while you guys are driving, making sure that commerce can actually happen in this country, and you got the Freedom Hut riding along with you. Alex, there's so many bad things happening in the world that the lib mob could put their energy toward chi- uh, Christian genocide in Nigeria, the treatment of Uyghurs in China, child sex trafficking, violent cartels, etc., instead of the made-up narrative of black people being hunted every day in the U.S. Yes, Alex, I often say this about climate change, where th- there is a real cost to climate change, not just in, in economic uh, terms and in terms of, of liberty, but there's a real cost because of the opportunity cost of using those resources and energy to something that would actually make a difference. You could actually help people or you can go around lecturing everybody on CO2 in the air. Right. But it it feels better to people and they're more likely to be able to control everyone and, and to virtue signal in front of everyone to be the great warriors against CO2 emissions. But to do there are other things that you would do that would be helpful, but would require real effort, real work. Ending human, uh, ending child trafficking, for example, or human trafficking, uh, that is as as honorable a mission as anyone could have. But you're going to have to do stuff. You know, you're going to have to you know, raise the funds, work with law enforcement. Uh, you know, th- there's action that must be taken. Ending climate change, you just get to walk around with like a T-shirt and a hashtag on your social media and everyone's like, oh, you're doing the great fight. So that's why that stuff appeals so much more to libs. They don't want to have to actually get their hands dirty and do charitable work. Oh, my gosh. They don't want to have to help people in need, take their own time to do it. Oh, no. No, much, much more fun to go to fancy conferences where everyone arrives in a private jet to talk about how much global carbon emissions are going to end the human race. But we, the chosen people, are all coming together in our private jets to end the threat of climate change. That's pretty much liberalism these days. The libs defined. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. All right. More roll call coming our way here. But before we dive into that, producer Mark, any fun, any fun plans for the weekend? You know, you're doing some tango lessons with the missus. Uh, I don't know why I would be doing tango lessons with the missus. Our wedding's long gone. Um, I'm just going to hang out with some friends tomorrow. I think my friend's having a barbecue and uh, watch football all weekend. That's what I do. What is the most delicious barbecue staple for you? What, what is the thing that you're like? If, I can, if you can always make sure there's one thing, and I mean anything, any meat, any condiment, any side, drink, what is the thing you always want to have at a barbecue? I mean, the staple and the most common, because obviously, you, if you're going thinking barbecue, you're thinking brisket or something like that. But for an average barbecue, it's a good burger. I personally have to say 
There's nothing better than a good burger on a charcoal grill. I think that's a fair I think that's a fair choice. I would say that, but I would also throw in I would agree with you, but I would also throw in there it's great to have sausage at a barbecue because it's one thing that will always be delicious and that no matter how crappy the the cook may be or how, you know, old and dirty the grill is, that uh, that sausage, you know, like Italian sausage or a Polish sausage or whatever, all it has to do is be heated up and charred, and it's going to be delicious. That's fair. I do like yeah. a good sausage and pepper sandwich. Yeah, exactly. That kind of stuff. Because the thing is, you can't mess it up. I'd love to say a steak, but if you get somebody working a, working a charcoal grill with a steak and they don't know what they're doing, easy to overcook it, char the outside, kind of cold and raw on the inside, you know. So I'm just saying, if you're looking for, if you're looking for foolproof, sausage at a barbecue always gets it done. Always gets it done. Yeah, because you can't really overcook a sausage that badly. Well, and, and they're pre-cooked, too. So you don't yeah, have to worry about it being raw or whatever. And it's going to be delicious. So I'm just saying, I, that, that's one thing that I've learned from having to uh, you know, throw many a barbecue in college. and Because, so, you know, there's nothing really quite as, mm, as when you bite into one of those pre-made burger patties and it's just blackened, charred on the outside. And then you get in the inside, you go, oh, it's nice and cold in here. Like refrigerator cold you know what i mean it's impressive to screw up a burger i don't know how you do it on a grill people do i'm telling you i know they do, do but yeah, yeah wow yeah i mean hot i guess hey, a hot dog is good too a hot dog is because uh, you know i also eat these things without buns because i have to like a weirdo but anyway you don't just bring your own gluten-free buns everywhere you go no i don't pull the hillary with the i have hot sauce in my bag no i've got gluten-free no i don't Wait, think so that. if your family's having a barbecue they don't like have gluten-free buns for you or you don't bring your own? I would think you would. I said if your family's throwing a barbecue, they don't have gluten-free buns for you, you don't bring your own? Oh, no, they always hook up. Yeah, I figured your family would. Yeah, of course, they always got the gluten-free for me when it's family. But I'm talking when you go to a friend's house. Oh, yeah, a friend's not good. Unless it's like a really good friend, they're not doing that for you. Yeah, no, 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 that's that's not happening. Um, All right, let's get back into some of a roll call here. John. Buck, you said you wanted to send us our thoughts on the Dem strategy for thwarting the Trump Supreme Court nominee. So here's mine. No matter who it is, the Democrat politicians are going to slander the individual, even if it's a woman. The mob, however, will do the dirty work. They'll try and intimidate the nominee and their family, as well as friends. They'll make the nominee nominee feel unsafe in their own home. I believe they'll try and intimidate the person Trump appoints out of the job. I don't think the libs are above attempting to take a Supreme Court nominee's life. Jeez. Unfortunately, this is what we've come to. Political assassinations are about the only step in their playbook they have not yet exercised. They're definitely... Okay, John, let's go through this. I agree they're definitely going to slander the person. But I, I also agree with you that I'm concerned about the dirty work of the mob, not even using the political process, but using, you know, mafia-style threats, you know? Hey, you know, I, I know where your kids are going to school. I don't think you want to be a Supreme Court justice, right? That, that kind of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Or even against a sitting U.S. senator, you know, friends, it's not hard to do. And you only need to turn two senators. So I, I think that's I think they go entirely outside the system and honestly illegal. I think the Democrats will try illegal maneuvers now that not the official party apparatus, but the Democrat left to prevent a uh, Amy Coney Barrett or whoever. I think it's Amy, and we'll find out by Monday. We'll be able to say, all right, we know the nominee is it looks like it's going to be Amy Coney Barrett. Um, we'll know tomorrow on Saturday, but that, I, I think that that's, uh, 
you're on the right path. And as for, I mean, I certainly look, I just pray to God. I mean, you know, we, you know, assassination is a, it just this, this, that should never happen in this country. It should never happen in any country, but that should never happen in this country. And um, I certainly hope that that doesn't occur ever for any political party, for any reason. You know, that should never be what happens. Uh, Susie, I agree with you and other voices in the media. The Republicans just need to vote to confirm the Supreme Court justice. Skip the hearing. If I had to guess, the left will try uh, to Mitt Romney her and say that Barrett will wage a war on birth control because she is pro-life and Catholic. Look at the kind of meltdowns the left had when RBG died. I think they'll make it a feminist issue. From personal experience, if you're a woman and you don't carry water for modern feminism, you don't count as a woman to them. Yeah, Susie, I, I, I agree with you, obviously. I think everything you're saying is true. That is going to be part of their attack on uh, on ACB, assuming that she is the pick for the RBG uh, vacancy. And and they're going to be very nasty and very gross about this. Um, so let's go here next. We got Kyle Buck. If you're wondering what the left will do regarding Trump's SCOTUS pick. I think I might know where they are headed. I believe that we're at the point where they believe their legal options are exhausted and they will resort to targeted violence. Whoever Trump nominates, they'll they'll need close protection and immediately. By the way, Jupiter, Florida is lovely and riot free. If you're looking to relocate, Kyle, producer Mark would be very happy. We like a happy producer Mark. So Jupiter, Florida would not be a bad move for us. That is for sure. Thank you so much for uh, writing into us. Team, pass the buck this weekend. Do me that solid. Do me a favor. Get one person in your life who listens to this show to start listening either on their local station or on the iHeart app, Spotify, or uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next week, my friends, have a great weekend. Shields high.